Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. My soul's face has revealed its beauty to me. Why was it shy so long? Didn't it know how this made me suffer and weep? A different game he plays with his close ones. God tells us truths you would not believe, for most everyone needs to limit his compassion. The Holy sent out a surveyor to find the limits of its compassion and being. God knows a divine frustration whenever he acts like that, for the infinite has no walls. Why not tease him about this? Why not accept the freedom of what it means for our Lord to see us as himself? No one lives outside the walls of this sacred place. Francis of Assisi, around 800 years ago. Revealing one's true nature can be hard work. Many Americans spend most of their lives trying to figure out what we want to be when we grow up. Some of us spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to receive reassurance from experts that we are okay just as we are. Others throw themselves into every new trend for self-improvement because for some reason we've been conditioned to believe, we've con been conditioned to hear a voice in our head that says, we're just not good enough. Tough stuff. We seem to be a bit blind to our belovedness, to the fact that we matter to God. Take a look around us in the world. The messaging we see in commercials, in print ads, on the internet. Well, there's always a way that we're not quite right. We're not quite attractive enough or rich enough or maybe we don't live a fabulous enough life. For some reason, our world leaves us wanting. We need something more. And so we find ourselves here at Trinity Cathedral, smack dab in the middle of Lent. And so we continue to ask and to soul search and to ask ourselves, what is it that we really need? Do our souls feel well watered and cared for? Or are we still thirsty for new life? Thirsty for a new drink? thirsty for living water. We're hearing today from John's Gospel that famous story of Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman at the well. The woman meets Jesus at this local gathering point in the middle of the day. And as the story tells us, Jesus, a man, a Jewish man, and the woman, a Samaritan, should not, under common practice of the day, be speaking at all. But Jesus is asking for her hospitality, for a drink, 
for common courtesy. And he's honoring her by his request so that a conversation can emerge. And this, in this conversation, all kinds of stuff is revealed. And Jesus begins to offer the woman living water, a spring of new life with God that won't end, one that will lead her to a fuller life and a fuller relationship with divine love. This living water that Jesus is telling her about is an invitation to a new relationship with God. And so after a while, the woman leaves to run and tell the people in the village all about this very unusual man that she meets by the well. She thinks he might be the Messiah. But notice how the story never tells us her name. But it does tell us that she left her water jar next to Jesus before running back to the village. No name, but a major detail. What's that about? Let's unpack this a bit. First thing I want to say is that I don't believe this story has been preserved through the ages to say anything about this woman's moral character. That is absolutely not the point. In fact, she's probably been a person who's been a bit of an outcast. She's had a string of bad luck in her lives with husbands dying on her. Life expectancy was short, and people who lived in small villages had very strict rules about who they could marry. Most likely in this situation, she was living at the time with her dead husband's brother. Just have to put it out there. Okay, back to what I was saying. The woman begins to see this light in Jesus. She starts seeing a possibility for a new life. One, a life that she's not condemned by anyone or ostracized or considered someone who needs some kind of improvement. She sees an opportunity to engage with this Redeemer who might really set her free. And in her excitement, she runs back to the village without her water jug. Such an unusual detail to include in a story with a lot that's not said. Isn't it? Where else, where else has a water jug appeared in John's gospel? Think about it. Search your mind. Think about it. Although we haven't heard about it in Lent, just two chapters before, we're in chapter four right now. In chapter two, Jesus is at a wedding feast in Cana, and the wines run out. And what does he order the stewards to do? to fill four water jugs used for washing. They might have looked exactly the same as these water jugs that this Samaritan woman was bringing to the well. But this time, instead of wine being the result, the jug remains next to Jesus, open, waiting to be filled. Maybe that jug symbolizes promise, new hope, new possibility for God to act. Instead of Jesus needing to help a wine steward get wine, he's doing something much bolder in this story. Jesus is giving this woman her life back. She's give, he's giving this woman her life back. 
This living water of freedom is evident at the end of the passage when the villagers believe who Jesus is. They invite him to come to their homes and to stay a little while. And then they tell the woman, it is no longer because of what you have said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know truly that this is the savior of the world. This woman is restored somehow back into full inclusion into her life. She allowed Jesus to see her life fully how it was, and she allowed him to help restore her back into her society. By her leaving that water jug to a stranger to go convey this message from Jesus of living waters to others, the woman got her own life back, and her thirst for inclusion, her thirst for acceptance, she's not going to be thirsty that way ever again. So let's take this back to us. How do we feel? How is Jesus able to do this for us? How do we ask for living water? Maybe, maybe in the same way that the woman did in this story, by leaving a water jug behind, one that's unfilled, next to Jesus, open to possibility open to that reality that you matter to God. We've had three Sundays of Lent now, and we have three more to go. Let's leave our own version of our water jugs, our well-worn concepts of our less-than-perfect selves. Let's leave them here each week. Let's leave the places inside of each of us that we think are unacceptable, our places of hurt, our parts that tell us we're not good enough. For Christ's sake, let's leave them here with your community. Let's not try to fill, to fill our collective water jugs with a water of empty promises, of lost dreams, of false hopes, of unrealistic expectations. No, no, no. Instead, let's keep ourselves open to living water, to new hope, to new life, and to expectations of restoration and redemption. Let's model this woman's behavior and go back, go back into our lives with the expectation that God has redeemed us, that God has changed us and continues to change us, and that Jesus' living water is now flowing through us towards other people, that's flowing through us towards other people so that no one around us in our life, no one around us is going to thirst for acceptance or thirst for love or blessing ever again because we are going to be Christ's living water for them. Imagine this. If we really did this, this kind of hope that we could offer the world might change everything, absolutely everything. 
The people of Trinity Cathedral will become a new spring in the desert, one of transcendent hope, where all who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be offered new life and new hope and the witness of God's love through you. You are the living water. But we're not doing any of this for ourselves. We're doing it for Jesus. We're not preaching peace and healing and restoration for the life of Trinity Cathedral. We're doing it to create something much bigger, to create that holy Zion, the holy city of God, that holy place where all of the family of God dwell in what we call the kingdom of God. Zion, a holy place for all people. In the words of theologian John Howard Yoder, we are not going towards Zion because we think that by our own momentum we can get there. We are going towards Zion because when God lets down from heaven the new Jerusalem prepared for us, we want to be the kind of persons and the kind of community that will not feel strange there. The kind of community that won't feel strange there. So that we'll be a community, we'll dwell with God and it won't feel strange. We will know one another and God will know us. Our collective soul has revealed its beauty to us. No one lives outside the walls of this sacred place. No one. Again, as St. Francis of Assisi writes, the holy water our collective soul needs is unity and community. Love has opened our eyes and we are cleansed. People matter to God. Our true selves matter. Let's take off our blinders to our own belovedness and bring springs of living water to everyone we encounter. This Lent, let's follow Jesus and give others their real lives. Let's give others their true lives. Let's give them their lives back. <laughs>